Thanks, James. Morning, guys. Thanks for being here this morning. I just want to add my thanks to what James just said. Uh, it's a big deal to come out in this weather and to uh, brave it and to come to church on Sunday morning. Thank you for being here today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 in just a bit. If you've got your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 1 or the, your Bible app. We'll get there in just a few minutes. Um, we're going to take our offering right now. So that's just going to come and pass our, our famous buckets along. If uh, this is your church, I encourage you to give to support what God's doing here at East Point. But if you're a guest today, uh, please don't feel obligated to give. Let this service be our gift to you. Uh, speaking of giving, though, I do want to remind you that we're asking our regular East Pointers to give above and beyond uh, their uh, tithes and offerings of a special Christmas offering. And we handed out for a couple of weeks the envelopes. They're also back on the tables if you want to grab one. Uh, it says Christmas gift on it or it says the gift on it. And we're asking you just to pray about what you can give above and beyond your regular giving between now and the end of the year. Uh, we've been raising, I think we raised about 16000 or so the last month, trying to raise another forty or so to finish up our projects and what we're doing and to really make uh, our home a more inviting place for people. And I, I'm sure you've noticed a lot of the things that have happened, the, the lobby being one of them. We want to finish the, uh, the west side, but the family uh, room is open. And uh, I just want to explain that. A couple people asked me, what's that all about? Uh, we really love kids here. We provide an incredible ministry for, called Adventureland for children, and for, it's all the way up through, uh, this, this, uh, through fifth grade. And we try to do our best to make it an exciting and inviting place for kids to be a part of. But we get that sometimes you're new or your kids aren't quite comfortable in Adventureland yet, or maybe they're not feeling really well, or maybe you just want to do church as a family. We understand that. And so what we've provided now during our services, there's a big screen TV back there, and uh, it's, it's there for you. you can, it's a kid-friendly environment. And there's toys, there's tables, there's stuff there, there's changing table, there's, there's uh, everything you need to really make it a, a place that your kids would be comfortable and for you as well. Now, listen to me carefully. We love children. I love kids especially. But some people are, are a little bit more ADD even than I am, and a child making noise in the service could be a distraction to them. So we're asking to be considerate. Uh, if you want to be in live worship, the parent areas be a great place to sit. And when the ushers get up and they do the, uh, uh, pass the buckets and there's movement, that would be a great opportunity for you to go to the parent room then and to participate in the service that way. Well, last week we started a brand new Christmas series called Through the Eyes of Christmas. And each week, all the way through Christmas Eve, we're gonna take a look at the Christmas story through a different perspective each week. Today we're gonna take a look at the Christmas story from Mary's perspective, and it's one of my favorites. A familiar story for lots of us, but I wanna highlight some things today from Luke chapter one, and we'll, we'll pop over Luke two in just a minute as well, that I think will encourage and hope you, and hope, hopefully challenge you as well. There are two things that tend to derail our hope and our trust in God. I've, I've been doing this thing called walking with Jesus for a long time. I've been pastoring for over 35 years. And I've watched a lot of people go sideways, go off um, and wander far from God. They get derailed in their faith. And the two most common reasons for that are unforeseen events and unexpected circumstances. Unforeseen event. I didn't see that coming. I, coming, I didn't know that was going to take place. And it really rocks their world or unexpected circumstances. They knew something was coming or they knew it would take place. But in the midst of it, there's a storm and all these, these circumstances that really confuse them. Two things that tend to derail people. Unforeseen events, unexpected circumstances. And what I want to talk about today is how we can face and address those things uh, and survive them and even thrive in the midst of them. So here's the big idea. It's in the back of your bulletin. If you want to follow along, take notes today. The big idea, the measure of your trust in God is revealed and how you handle the unforeseen and the unexpected. The measure of your trust, the, the depth of your spiritual maturity can be measured right here. There's a lot of people who say they're spiritually mature, they know God or they follow God, but the depth of that, the strength of that relationship is measured in how you 
handle unforeseen and the unexpected. It's revealed in how you handle those unforeseen events and those unexpected circumstances that take place in your life. And we're gonna see that in uh, this young woman called Mary. Mary was a teenager, probably a young teenager. Uh, most uh, imagine, uh, historians imagine she was probably 12, 13, maybe 14 years of age. Now we might think, that's way too young for somebody to become a mama, that's just wrong. You gotta keep in mind, in that culture, in that day and age, the life span was much lower than it is today, and it was far more common for young teenagers, once they became mature and able to bear children, for them to marry, and it was a different culture. Nothing weird or hinky about it at all, just different. But what you need to know is Mary, she's this woman preparing to marry Joseph. She had a good guy, a good man lined up, a good life, everything was going the way she had expected it. Then something completely unforeseen took, took place, and some unexpected circumstances happened that had never happened to anyone else before in all of history. One of the challenges we have when we look at the Christmas story is that we get it. We've read it, we've heard it, we've seen it a thousand times. We know the end, we know what happens. But you, I want you to, as best as you can today to try and step back and use that God-given spiritual imagination you have and imagine that you're Mary and that you're Joseph and that you're in a situation that's never happened ever before. This has never happened for, to anybody. And something completely outside of the, the normal is about to happen. A virgin is gonna have an angel say, you're gonna carry the, the Messiah. It was unexpected, very unexpected news. Let's pick it up in Luke chapter one, verse 30. The angel said to her, to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Verse 33, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. By the way, last week we took a look at the, uh, Isaiah chapter nine. We talked about hope. If you missed it, you might wanna go online and watch that because it really set a foundation for some things I needed you to understand. But Isaiah prophesied 700 years before the birth of the Messiah, before the birth of Jesus, about all these things that would take place that would be true of him. And what's cool here is that the angel is showing up to Mary and he's, he's saying to her a passage she would have been very familiar with as a good Jewish girl. Hey, you know that thing Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter nine about his kingdom, shall be, there'll be, be no end and the Messiah's coming? You're gonna be the mama. You're gonna be the one who, who brings that into the world, that, that, that uh, little baby into the world. Some very unexpected news. Let's pick it up. How this, will this be? In verse 34, Mary said, ask the angel, since I am a virgin, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. An amazing story. And again, I, I know familiar to most of us if we've been around church at all, but I want you to see some things from her that we can learn. You know, sometimes unexpected news is very welcome news. Sometimes we get this unexpected news and it's awesome. You get uh, you have to pull out that lottery ticket. You know, some of you played lottery last night and you checked it this morning already. And you find out, I won! And you, five bucks or whatever, and maybe you've got a little bit of return of some money you've invested or wasted over the years. But, you know, this unexpected, I won, I, I finally won this thing. Or maybe you get, I, this happened to me once in my entire life. I got a letter from the IRS telling me you made a mistake in your math or whatever it was, and you're getting more money back from us than you anticipated. That was unexpected, really good news. Only happened once in my entire life, but that kind of news we like. Unexpected good news is cool. Good news is always welcome. But when an angel shows up, uh, that's unexpected, and tells you that you're gonna be the mother of the Messiah, that's very unexpected. 
That news given to Mary was actually quite hard for her to understand and accept and even a bit terrifying. Why do we know that? Because the very first thing he said to her was, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. Why did he say that? Because she was afraid. And again, you need to put yourself in Mary's shoes or in her sandals, so to speak. She was a nobody from nowhere. A young woman from the backside of nowhere. Nazareth was not a famous, popular vacationing spot. It, wasn't, it isn't now and it wasn't then. And it, it, she was a nobody from nowhere, young, probably very uneducated, and a virgin. And as a Jewish woman, of course, she'd heard the prophecies, at least a little bit about the Messiah coming someday. But never in a million years, what you need to hear is never in her entire life did she ever think she would end up being the mama of the Messiah. She didn't play with dolls when she was five or six and pretending she had baby Jesus. Oh, look, you're gonna be the Messiah someday. I'm so excited. That never crossed her mind, not even for a second. And yet, look at verse 30, 38, and I love this. Mary said to the angel, I'm the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Incredible. Something completely out of context, something she'd never seen or heard, something no one had ever experienced before. This promise of the Messiah coming through her, an angel shows up, and this young girl says, okay, I serve God, so I'm all in. I get it, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing. Now by the way, side note here, just a little off you know, my notes comment here. God cares about you being all in more than being all there. You know that? Sometimes they like, think, well, I just gotta get it together. I gotta, I gotta be all there. No, God cares way more about you being all in than he does about being all there. He knows that in this life, you're probably never gonna get all there. It's always a process. We're always growing, we're always learning. But I love this heart that Mary demonstrates when she says, I'm all in. I'm the Lord's servant. Let it happen. Be it unto me as you have said. Mary said, I'm gonna serve God and I'm gonna trust him. I find that incredible. So what are some lessons? Well, here's the first thing. Number one, your outline. Even when you don't understand the events of your life, God wants you to put your faith and your trust in him. Even when you don't understand the events of your life, trust me, Mary didn't understand the how there's a lot of questions she had. Without doubt, I'm sure Mary wondered, how am I gonna explain this to my parents? Again, think about, you're her. What are you gonna say to your mom and dad? Well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. It's not like she can point back and say, you don't know how that happened back you know, a couple years ago to so-and-so. Well, that's a, a, same thing happened to me, isn't that cool? Nope, no frame of reference at all. How am I gonna explain this to my mom? I'm sure she's thinking, how am I gonna explain this to Joseph? How's he gonna understand that I'm pregnant but it's not his son and I'm still a virgin? How's he gonna, she gonna explain it to her girlfriends? I'm sure she wondered what it means or what it mean for her future. And I, because she's human, I'm also pretty sure she wondered, am I ready, am I prepared to raise the Messiah? Again, the expectation of the Messiah coming was something every Jew looked forward to. And for her to think, I don't know if I'm the right person, is this gonna happen? But Mary demonstrated remarkable trust. That's what you need to hear. Incredible trust, she said, okay. God, I don't have all the answers. There are things I am not sure about. This doesn't, this doesn't add up, but I'm gonna put my confidence, my trust in you. And quite frankly, God wants you to say what Mary said to the angel. Be it unto me according to your will. That's what God calls us to, to trust in him. If you dig a little deeper in the story, we won't go there for the sake of time, but Matthew chapter one, you find that Joseph had his own trust encounter, his own opportunity to choose to trust in God. He, again, was blown away and was prepared to divorce her, to put her aside 
And to do it, you know, because he loved her and he wanted to honor uh, God, he, he was gonna do it as best as he could. But then the angel shows up in a dream and says, Joe, this is me, this is God, you need to do this, it's gonna be okay. And he is at a moment again where, again, I, I, I'm impressed with Mary's trust, I'm also impressed by Joe's trust. His choice to say, okay, I'm all in. I choose to believe. Now here's the point, guys. Here's what I need you to hear. When you don't understand the why or the what. You've been there. I know you have. Maybe you're there right now. You don't understand the why or the what. When you don't get it and your brain is on tilt and your emotions are on overload, God still asks you to trust in him. I realize, believe me, how religious that could sound to some. And how easy it is to say, just trust in Jesus. Oh, I know you're going through a tough time. Just trust God. I know that sometimes we hear that and we just want to hurt somebody. We, we get so irritated. Don't tell me to trust God. You don't know what I'm going through. I know how difficult this is. What I want you to identify with is how difficult this probably was for Mary and Joseph. And yet they chose to trust, to believe in him nonetheless. It was a choice to believe, to trust in God. There are so many examples of this in the Bible, so many that I could land on. I, the one I thought of was David. We talked about him some time ago when we looked at his story with David and Goliath. But David's life completely, radically changed. He was a shepherd boy, the youngest of Jesse's sons, and Samuel, the prophet, shows up and anoints him as the next king of Israel. Can I just tell you, that was an unexpected event in his life. And I'm sure he had questions. Uh, Samuel isn't? Isn't Saul king right now? How's this gonna work? And I'm, you know who I am, right? And, and I'm, the, I'm the youngest of the youngest. I'm, and I'm sure there's questions, but God showed up in an unexpected way and called him to great things, and David had to trust God. David went through so many other experiences. One we mentioned a, a few weeks ago, had, had he gone against Goliath when he did. Again, an unexpected event in his life. It's not like he sat around as a kid thinking, well, someday I'm gonna kick that Goliath's butt. No, it never crossed his mind until there's this unexpected opportunity, unexpected event in his life. I could fast forward and cover so many other things that took place in David's life. One of them, a tragic one, was when his own son, Absalom, tried to kill him and take over the throne. Not a good day, an unexpected event that was a great struggle for David. And yet what I love about this guy, even though he made plenty of mistakes along the way, I love David because David said this in Psalm 28, verse seven. He said, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust in him with all my heart. David demonstrated the trust that I'm calling you to today, the trust that Mary and Joseph had. He said, the Lord is my strength. God is the one that's gonna give me what I need. He's my shield, he's my protector, and I will trust. I trust him with all of my heart. Last Sunday after I talked about hope in between the first and the second service, a young guy came up to me in the lobby and he said, would you, would you pray for me? I said, sure, what's going on? And so, well, my mom's been recently diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's, and it's rocking our family, our entire family. It's shaking shake, me to the core. So my mom's like 60-something, and we don't know what to do, and, and it doesn't seem right. There's all these questions and these struggles, and, and what's gonna happen? And, and he went on, and, I, and I, I listened to him, and I hugged him, and I could tell how stressful he was, and I prayed for him. And then afterwards, I looked him in the eye, and I said, buddy, I need, you to, I need you to hear this. Jesus wants you to trust him in the midst of this. And without blinking, without a second, you know, going by, he says, I know I need to trust God, but it's so hard to do. I said, I know, but the alternative 
will not get you anywhere God wants you to be. The alternative to trust is doubt and despair. I said, don't go there. God wants you to put your trust in him and he'll be there. He will be like he was for David. He will be your strength and your shield. Trust him with all your heart, even with unforeseen events. Some of you have already thought of things that have happened in the last year, maybe the last week, something you didn't see coming. I prayed with a woman afterwards after the first service today and recently is going through a divorce and was laid off. Didn't see either one of those things coming into her life. Devastated, broken, crying, sobbing here in the front as I prayed with her. And I told her what I'm telling you. I know it's hard. We have to trust. We have to choose to trust. Lean on him, rely on him. Because the alternative, doubt and despair, will never do any good for anybody. Even with unforeseen events, God asks you to trust in him. Let's read on. Skip down quite a few verses. Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. What that means is they went to their ancestral home, to their place of origin. So for uh, Joseph, it was Bethlehem. Let's read on verse four. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Verse six, while they were there, now we don't know how long he'd been there. Sometimes I think we imagine he showed up and that day she popped and had the baby. Could have been weeks, we don't know. But while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What I need you to hear is that the birth of Jesus required great trust from Mary and Joseph. Great trust. It was a major unexpected event and a major unexpected circumstance about to unfold in their life. Which leads me to point number two in your outline. Number two, even when you struggle with difficult and unexpected circumstances, even when you struggle with things that are way bigger than you, difficult and unexpected circumstances, God wants you to trust in his plans. God asks us to trust in him, to rely on him, but he wants us to believe that he's gonna get us exactly where we need to be. You know, many, if not most of us, probably have a nativity scene, part of our Christmas decorations. And the irony is that for a lot of us, and certainly it's true in my house, it's one of the most expensive de Christmas decorations we have. Now, we have about five or six nativity scenes, some that were given to us, family, old heirlooms, some that are looking pretty, pretty broken and, and used, one plastic, one Mattel, one has an angel that you bop and, and it's a toy. But then we have one that we, over the years, we've collected the pieces from Hallmark. You know the ones I'm talking about? They're like each piece is $20,000. They're very expensive. And so we've, you know, it's taken us years to collect. You know, I was excited the day we got our first lamb and we kept collecting things because you know, they're expensive. And it sits on top of the fireplace mantle way out of the reach of my grandchildren because I don't want them to touch that. Here's the irony in this. We've got these expensive, beautiful nativity scenes and that's anything but what Jesus was born in. He was not born in the Ritz. He was not born on the Davenport. It was not even the Holy Day Inn. A couple of you got it, I'll give you time. Anyhow, it was a barn. It was a simple habitat for stinky, fly-ridden animals. Now, of course, we are overly sentimental about the nativity because it's the place where Jesus was born. 
But it's nothing like the, the pictures on the Christmas cards. It's nothing like the neat, clean, well-dusted, little beautiful nativity scene that you have at home. In fact, if you really want to make it more realistic, go find some cow pies and, and uh, put them in there amongst the, the nativity scene because that's a more accurate picture of what Jesus uh, was born and what Mary and Joseph had to face. Understanding the real scene and the real events is important because it leads us to understand how much trust they had to have. Let me give you a few things just worthy of note here. Bethlehem was about five or six miles from Jerusalem and about 100 miles from Nazareth. So what that means is for Joseph and Mary to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, at least 100 miles, at least three days, probably more like four or five days of walking. There's no Greyhound bus. They didn't jump a commuter plane from you know, Nazareth to Galilee to uh, uh, Bethlehem. It was a difficult journey. And I, I've been to Israel, and it was a rough road and, and not a fun, you know, friendly place. And they had to travel by foot. And again, I want you to imagine, you've got a wife and she's pregnant, and maybe she's on a donkey, maybe she's walking, but you've got Mary on the road with Joseph to this place called Bethlehem. Now, under Roman law, both the women and men had to be registered to pay taxes, but it was not required for Mary to go with Joseph to Bethlehem. Only he had to go. Well, why did... Joe take her along. Well, we can only speculate. Maybe it's because he didn't want to leave her alone in Nazareth to face mistreatment or gossip or insult. Again, think about what she faced from the people she grew up with, from her friends, from the, the, the neighbors. Oh yeah, Mary, sure, you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Yeah, we've heard that before. No. There, there's, there's, there's no way that, that she wasn't at least given a little bit of grief from the, from the locals. And maybe Joe didn't want to leave her there. Maybe he was concerned that people would assume that he had abandoned Mary and he didn't want that to happen either. Or maybe he just didn't want to miss the birth and she was getting close. We don't know. Whatever the reason, Mary and Joseph were together and alone and far from their family and friends. Far from family. And it's a big deal. Again, Mary's a teenage girl pregnant, her first baby, and here's what was normal in that day and age. Mama and your aunts helped give birth to the baby. Mama and the ants are hundreds of miles, they're long ways away, nowhere near at this point. It's just Joe and her, and she's in a barn. The inn mentioned here could have been guest chamber that they attempted to have access to, a private home, maybe it was a caravan inn used by travelers, we, again, we don't know for sure. But regardless, what we do know is it was full, and there was no vacancy. The mention of a manger in this story, and we know this, but let me just remind you, it means that he was born in a stable in a barn, in a place that was, that the, where animals resided. Now, most historians believe it was probably a cave. Could have been a shed or something man-made, but probably a cave or a cleft in a rock. But what I need you to hear, and just dial this up again, is that the birthing room for Jesus was not a sterile, cozy, warm place with soothing jazz music in the background. That was not the case at all. It wasn't a birthing room at Sacred Heart. It was not the scene depicted on the cover of most of our Christmas cards. It was a stinky, fly-infested place with cow pies and all sorts of ugliness. The manger that they laid Jesus in, that Jesus was put in, wasn't some nice little clean wooden crib that met all sorts of safety standards and had clean white sheets on it. It wasn't that at all. It was a, as a feeding trough for cows. Ever been around cows? They drool. And they're not real clean. And again, this is where they were fed. Not exactly the cleanest place to leave a newborn. Jesus 
was born into a very tough situation. Mary and Joseph faced an incredibly difficult, unexpected event and unexpected challenging circumstances. We've got some construction going on next to our home. And uh, our house was one of the first homes in the neighborhood. So we've had lots of uh, houses been built up around us over the years. We've been there now 10 years. And right next door to us, the empty lot's being built on right now. And what happens every time, every time, they come in and they start digging up and building you know, the, the hole and getting ready for the foundation is all the critters come out. There's lots of field you know, mice and other things that come crawling out. And now it's cold, and so not only they've been disturbed from their normal habitat, but it's freezing outside and there's snow, and so they're trying to find a place indoors. And I just need you to know something about me personally that I am not embarrassed to tell you. I abhor, I cannot think of a strong enough word to use. I, I hate mice and I hate rats. I hate them with a passion. I, they terrify me. It's, I scream like a girl when they're around. Sorry if you're a girl, I don't mean to put you in. But I do, it's terrible. And they get into my house, I got a hole in my, in my den room where, where a mouse startled me, I ran to get a shovel, I came in trying to kill it, and I put a hole in the wall with a shovel, still haven't fixed that. I did Victor, I did tell, I did, I, he's dead. But I, so anyhow, this is going on. So I go to the front door, this just happened this week, I go to the front door, look for a package, you know, outside, and I open the front door and I'm greeted by this massive, huge, I mean it's like this big rat with a tail that just, he threatened to whip me with it, and he's, he waved at me and ran, and I'm, I, okay, maybe I'm able to exaggerate just a little bit about his size, but it was a rat. I hate rats. I abhor rats. I do not like rats, and I'm thinking to myself, if he gets in here, I will kill him. <laughs> and I have a pretty clean house. Guys, do you imagine there were rats in the barn? Oh, yeah. Rats and every other disgusting critter. Can you imagine anything lower than being born in a barn? Anything more humbling? It was humiliating. It was challenging. You've got to stop. Get out of the Christmas away in a major song and think about what Mary and Joseph really had to face as they gave birth to their son, to the, to the Messiah, in this barn and then placed him in a feeding trough. It was a hard, difficult situation. The Bible doesn't tell us the emotional state of Mary and Joseph. But again, just imagine how you'd feel. You've got a very pregnant wife, you've taken on a three to five day trek across country, you show up and there's no vacancy. You leave Mary double parked in the donkey, you run into the, the inn, you talk to the guy at the counter, he says, sorry, we're full, but there's a barn you can take her to. So he runs out to tell Mary, bad news is there's no room, good news is there's a barn. I don't think she's very excited about that. She's pregnant, she's tired, she's hungry, she's miserable, maybe just a little grumpy. And now she's in a barn about ready to give birth to a baby. Instead of a room with a view, she gets a stable with a stench. And again, we don't know how long she was in there. Could have been that's where they hung out for days, maybe, maybe longer. My point is even when you face circumstances that are hard and the battle rages and the unexpected happens, God wants you to put your trust in him and in his plan. Listen, and in his plan. Because God had a plan. His plan was for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. That was what was prophesied. His plan was for Jesus to come into this world in a humble, very simple state. And despite the struggles, despite the hardships, despite the disappointments that you might be facing, despite the many unexpected circumstances, I need you to hear something. God is still at work in your life. God is still at work in you. Where did we get the idea that life should be easy? I don't know where that came from. 
Why are we so surprised by hardship and struggle in our lives? I think, and I'm not being negative, I'm just being real, I think we ought to be surprised when really good things happen. Oh, that's amazing! Have you looked around the planet we live on and the, the, these earth suits and the bodies that we have to deal with and the aging and the sickness and disease and all sorts of struggles? Why are we so surprised? You know, if you read the book, you read the Bible, you see story after story from Old Testament all the way through the New. Abraham, Noah, David, Gideon, Ruth, Job, Peter, Paul, and Mary, pardon the pun, hundreds of others had their faith tested and their character formed through great struggle. You see it again and again in the Bible. Why do we expect any less than that? God wants you to trust him because he wants to work in you and through you. Form your character in the midst of the struggle and he wants to reveal to you that he does still, he's sovereign, he still has a plan. The Apostle Paul wrote these words to his young protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul said, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul is, was going through suffering. He was struggling. He was being persecuted. And he said, I, I am suffering for the sake of the gospel. But he says, it's okay. And I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believe. I know God, and I am persuaded, no doubt in my mind, that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Paul is saying, it's gonna be okay. This is hard, but it's gonna be all right, because I trust in him. What struggle are you fighting right now? Where are you doing something or facing something that's way bigger than you? What's happening? What unexpected circumstance has taken place around you? Or unforeseen event that's hit, hit, hit you hard right now? Where are you riding a donkey through 100 miles of wilderness and it doesn't make any sense? It doesn't seem to be fair. It doesn't seem to be good at all. And you're struggling. I need you to understand, you're in good company. Read the book. But even through your struggles, even in the midst of that, you can discover God's plan if you will trust in him. And there's the condition, if you'll trust. Will you trust in him? Will you trust God to use you and to work through you regardless of the unforeseen events and unexpected circumstances that you find yourself in right now? The Messiah didn't come in the way you'd expect, certainly not in the way the Jews expected. He was hidden in a peasant baby, born to a virgin, a woman who trusted in God. Jesus the Savior was wrapped in poverty, born in a barn and laid in a manger. It was a difficult, tough situation. But it was God's plan. And God always shines brightest in the darkness. In the midst of our struggle, if we'll just trust in him, that's where God says, now watch what I will do. One last story, and I'll uh, wrap this up. I'm gonna tell you about a guy I know, his name's Tony. He's a good guy, very successful. And I've known him for quite a few years. And this actually happened some time ago. But I remember the day that he told me that his five-year-old son, his son Joel, was diagnosed with leukemia. Now, you know, most of us understand the reality of the world we live in. I'm at the age right now where uh, most of the generation before me and my family, lots of coals and boobnas are gone. Something has taken them, cancer or heart disease or whatever, and they're gone. They're with Jesus now. So the reality of our mortality is something I'm very familiar with. And some of you are as well. But the truth is, 
For me, when a child gets sick, when a kid goes through suffering, it eats my lunch. It just tears me up. It really is difficult for me. And when my friend is telling me, Tony told me about his little five-year-old boy, Joel, I mean, I was, I was devastated. I, was, I ached for him. We're sitting at coffee, and I'll never forget what he said to me because it, it seemed so unbelievable to me. He said, you know, Kurt, I, I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand the why. I am dying inside. And he literally said, I would give my life for my son. I would do anything I could to see him healed and to see him better. And then with tears in his eyes, he said, but come what may, I'm gonna trust in God. I will never forget those words. Come what may, I'm gonna trust in him. I wanna encourage you to have that kind of faith and confidence and trust in the Lord. Last bullet in your outline, I'm done. Hope is believing that God has a plan for your future. We talked last week about hope. It's believing that God has a plan for your future, and I want you to believe that. Trust is relying on and clinging to him even when you can't see it yet and don't understand your present situation. Trust is relying, clinging, holding on to Jesus. Even when you feel like, I can't do this anymore, I don't know, it's it's way bigger than me, I don't know how to face this. It's trusting, leaning on him, even when you can't see the good, the future, and even when you don't understand what you're presently going through. That's trust. And the Bible calls us to hope, to put our confidence in him, and his plan for our future, and to trust him in the midst of what we're facing right now. Bye, let me pray for you. Father, I know how easy it is, I do, how easy it is to say trust in God. I know that there are some in this room who have struggled even recently with things so huge, so enormous in their life that there's a little bit of them, maybe even a lot of them that's really irritated right now with me, with, with any challenge to trust because they hurt, they're suffering, they're struggling. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do something right now that I know you can do and that you want to do. I pray that you would reach into that very broken devastated, despairing place in their soul and call them in the way you do to lean on you, to rest in you, to trust in you, that you would help them by the the power of the Holy Spirit in them, who lives within them, to choose to trust you right now. To not only have hope for a better tomorrow, but to trust you right now, right here, for what they don't understand, for what they don't like. I pray, Lord, that you would empower them to choose what will lead them to greater things in their life, not easier things necessarily, but greater things. And that you would help us to turn our eyes to you, Jesus, and to trust in you with all our heart. Keep your head bowed, your eyes closed just for a minute. Maybe you're here today. You've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. Every week, every week, people make a decision. That's life-changing around here. And it is the biggest decision you'll ever make. Will I trust God with my life? Will I trust what Jesus did for me on that cross? Will I trust Him as my Savior? Will I entrust my present, even my past, and my future to Him, to God? 
And it's a decision that only you can make, but it's a decision that will change your eternal destiny. It changes you because when you trust him, you have him. It may not change your immediate circumstances, but it will change everything because you no longer face those on your own. You now have him, the hope of the world, the light of the world, the one who promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He becomes your strength and your shield just like he was for David, just like he was for Mary and Joseph. But you have to choose. Will I trust my life to him? Will I say yes to him? If you want to do that, if you're ready to do that today, if you're at a point, you just know in your know in your gut, it's time for me to say yes to God. Then I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. What's most important about this is that you make the choice right now to say, yeah, God, that's what I want, that's me. Make this prayer yours right now. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to this world. Thank you that you made a way for me to come home to you, to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for being my savior, my life. Thank you for dying for me on that cross. Thank you for living now for me. Thank you for offering me this gift that I know I could never earn on my own of your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. I embrace that. I thank you for that. And I entrust my life to you right now. Everything, past, present, future, it's yours. And I believe, I believe. And I surrender now my life to you forever. Now, if that's you, if that's what you want in your own way to say, yep, God, that's me. It's the beginning. It's not the finish line. It's the beginning. We're saying, yep, God, I know there's things I still have questions about. There's still stuff that has to happen to me. But right now, I cross that line. I begin this journey of faith as a child of God. And the Bible says that moment you say yes to him, you're his. You become his kid forever. Lord, thank you for those making that decision right here, now in this room, for those that are making that online. I pray, God, that you would show them what it means. And that from this moment on, they are yours and you are theirs. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish one last song. It's one of my favorites. It's Oceans. And the whole idea behind this song, it's, it's really the idea of Jesus calling Peter to walk on the water. And it's the call that God has still to us, that he still makes to you. Hey, come, follow me. Yeah, let's do this. Walk on the water. I know it's impossible. I know it's deep. I know you may be overwhelmed. Just keep your eyes on me. Come follow me. Let's sing this song together. Let's worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. The key to living a life of trust. Trust without borders. Trust without limitations. Trust without restraint. Is to keep your eyes above the waves. Keep your eyes on Jesus. As long as Peter kept his eyes focused on him and he trusted in him, he did what only two people on the planet have ever done. He walked on water. What are you going to do? I would encourage you, rather than doubt and despair, rather than focus on the waves, the circumstances, the unexplained or unexpected events, unforeseen things in your life, fix your eyes on Him. Today, if you begin your life as Christ follower, we would encourage you, pick up one of these bags. It's in bags, uh, in a basket along the, uh, the exit doors and the tables there. It's Bible, so you can start walking with Jesus. Pick one of these up. We wanna walk with you in this journey. I encourage you, get baptized. You missed the class today, we'll take care of you. We'll get you taken care of. Get baptized in water on January 1st. It'll, it'll change. What a great way to start the new year. Then in the act of obedience and trust and to publicly declare your love for Jesus on New Year's Day, it'll be awesome. 
Back in the table, straight back, there's a snow balloon back there, which I'm not really excited about the snow balloon. But there is a snow balloon back there. If you've got uh, opportunity to help us out with Christmas Eve, you guys have always been great. We need 30-ish or so uh, connections, volunteers, people to help hand out candles and bulletins and greeters. Even if you're not a normal, regular person that does that, you can sign up on a clipboard back there to help with uh, greeting people on Christmas Eve services or and just one. Uh, or to work in Adventureland. People say, well, if I do that, I'll miss the service. We say, attend one, serve one. Attend with your family uh, and serve with your family. It'll be a great experience. So we're still looking for, I think, a handful of uh, people to help with the security team as well. Going to have over probably 2,000 people come through here. So you guys make this possible by serving and uh, taking care of other people's needs. I love you. I'm going to pray for you this week. I'm going to pray hard. I believe that no matter what you face tomorrow, that's an unforeseen event or unexpected circumstance, if you keep your eyes on Him, you're going to not just survive, but you're going to thrive in the midst of it. I encourage you to come back Wednesday night for our fun time together. We're about connections around here and connect, getting connected with people. It's a great opportunity to do that. There's prayer team will be down front. If you need prayer, communion's available on both sides of the room as well. And my prayer for you is go this week. Go in Him. God bless you guys. See you soon. God bless you. Thanks for being here.